Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. All right, what is up, Gypsy Gang? Uh, We're back, just starting the week off with a bang this week. Uh, I'm calling this like a little bit of a bonus episode. Uh, We've got a ton of content coming out this week. Uh, Gemma Wilson, uh, she did the podcast with us last week, and then so did my friend uh, Dan Kirby, uh, who's a drummer for Bliss and SO, 28 Days, a bunch of other stuff. So they did the podcast with us last week, um, and yeah, really, really rad podcast. Um, but I had a friend of mine, Andrew Cleary, staying with us um, this weekend. Really good friend of mine. I met him in Thailand last year. Some of his stories and some of his conversations that we've had over the last year um, have been featured in this podcast, whether I've mentioned his name or not. Um, he's a really, really good friend of mine. He's a big influence um, on me. So just like a year older than me. He's got a couple kids, uh, works for himself. Uh, does jiu-jitsu and he's just a guy that since we met in the last year I've just found myself like repeatedly going to him with advice and ideas and stuff like that so uh, I just kind of figured that if there's anyone out there that listens to the show um, and enjoys stuff that I say uh, that chances are they're going to enjoy what Andrew has to say as well he's an Irish immigrant Uh, he's lived in Ireland he's lived in the UK he's lived in New York he's lived in Perth he's lived in Brisbane and now Melbourne um, so he's a yeah well-traveled dude, really hard worker, great guy, um, and yeah we sort of just sat down to shoot the shit before uh, he flew back to Melbourne. Um, so yeah, I just thought I'd record a quick podcast with him. I wish we got to do it for longer. We sort of uh, enjoyed the sights of Burley this morning for a little bit longer than I thought we would. Um, but yeah, so we sat down and uh, did just about two hours of um, yeah just talking shit for the. I guess we probably talked about jujitsu for the first half and then kind of branched off into life after that uh, i really enjoyed it i wish we could have done the, the standard three hours but i'll get andrew on again um yeah like i said really great dude um really good friend of mine and uh hope you guys enjoy and i'll put this one up while i am editing uh Gemma wilson and dan kirby which will come later this week so um quick shout out as always to our sponsors um big thank you to the guys at boost mobile uh i'm gonna do a little bit of content this week around uh a new offer that they are putting out which is really good um they're doing uh a grade refurbished phones now for like massive massive discounts um i talked about them 
on the last episode if you uh, listen to the ads um, and yeah I'm going to actually just make a bit of content around that this week you can head to boostmobile.com.au to find out more and you will be able to save like $500 on an iPhone there's a ton of banging deals um, so yeah check out the website for more info also big shout out to the guys at Nobby Underwear everyone knows about the Nobby Nation uh, you can for just $20 a month 20 bucks a month that's like four coffees um probably an exaggeration it's probably like six coffees and you can get a fresh pair of underwear every single month to your door and they're not just normal underwear they're about as good at underwear as is made on planet earth which is uh saying something but if you have owned a pair of nobbies before it's not really saying much that you don't already know all right without further ado my man my brother andrew cleary you know the drill you know the drill, man. Keep Dude, it true. You got to pull it in even further than that. Courtesy of Joe Rogan. Keep what? fist away from the face, bro. No, no, nah, nah, closer. He's talking that bullshit, is he? Yeah, <laughs> even go even closer. You'll hear the difference. Go there. Good eye. Hear the difference? Yeah, it's, it's just a bit mad. It's astounding. Um, I, feel, I feel like it's uh Yeah. So you feel like it's too close? That's good. I'm so used to it now. It just doesn't worry me. Maybe I have it at too, too low of a yeah, but. You're good. I'm good, homie. We're on. We're on. So uh, this is uh, my, my big homie, Andrew Cleary. This is gonna. This is this is what I'm calling the Gypsy Tales bonus episode because this one's just for me, yo. People don't know. People don't know about that Andrew Cleary yet. No, they, they're gonna know after this. Not yeah. <laughs> so the story is, um, me and Andrew met last year uh, on the uh, the Lachlan Giles Jiu Jitsu camp uh, in Thailand. We sort of got off the plane and. Uh, we ended up, we, we actually were rooming next to each other as well, which was pretty cool. Deadly. So like right next to each other and uh, we uh, just hit it off, I guess. And we've been, mm. been mates ever since. And it was, it, it was interesting because you're one of the guys that, you're like a testament to like you can make new friends. Like I was 30 when I met you. Mm. And it's like, you sort of, I think some people get set in their ways that, you can't really make real good, like really good friends, like people you'd call your best friends, like later in life. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. We met each other when I was 31, you were 30, and I just think that uh, we hit it off straight away. And because I believe we've done a lot of traveling, yeah, I think we adjust uh, fairly easily. Our mind is um, expanded or whatever way you want to put it. It's just yeah. I feel like we find that because we've had to move, you've been in America moving around, same as me. I spent four years over there, so... Uh, travel I believe brings out true character and I think you see that in someone when you when you meet someone and you know they've travelled I think there's a difference do you think? yeah no you, I think yeah. I reckon you can you can definitely tell um, yeah you can de- I think people's perspectives um, when you see the ways that people live and you can see uh, a lot of harsh times you can see good times you, you know like you can see people that live in all these different situations like um, I don't know I feel like less less stuff is a surprise as well you know like you yeah. can get those like reality checks like when you like we went to vietnam at the start of the year mm. and then i got um my brother's girlfriend she was just like shocked by the way people lived and stuff it's like it's humbling in a way too yeah when you sort of when you do go especially those asian especially countries. asian man yeah there's not like I, I have so many friends that have traveled everywhere i have friends that live in america I have friends that live in europe and they think they say like you know i've done i've been here i've been there i don't think you've been anywhere until you've been to southeast asia yeah dude. that's my opinion like you know it's just a different way of living i haven't been to south america i'd say that's pretty similar, pretty similar yeah, yeah yeah with eye opening for me it was Fiji the time I went to Fiji and seeing how humble the people were there and how happy they were yeah it was like a, 
a little switch in the road for me. I don't think I had been to Bali, I think, at the time, and maybe a couple of other. No, I think it was just Bali, but um, when I went to Fiji and seen how humble they were, like there was someone. I have two kids, as you know, and uh, at the time when he had one, um, Jackson, and when we went to Fiji, he was a little baby. So, in order for me and my partner Kate to go out, we had to get someone into mine, Jackson, and we asked her would she bring us to where she lived. And she said, yeah, no problem. I can't think of the woman's name now. But anyway, she brought us to where she lived. So you were, were you doing that as almost like a background check sort of thing? Like no, no, see? no, not at all. No, no. The hotel had suggested it was real five-star hotel yeah. um, on the Coral Coast. So they had they had suggested who we, I, 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 I trusted there. She, she used to work in the hotel. It was like her semi-retirement sort of a uh, gig. Oh, like a gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah like a retirement we're not going to give you retirement money, but we'll give you a nice cruisy job. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We don't have that social security, but yeah. <laughs> we'll hook you up. But uh, she she ended up bringing us back to her village, and it was yeah, just simple, man. Just simple. Walk in the f- bamboo bamboo rugs. I don't know what you call them, but like like uh, just like woven, woven. Yeah, 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 just simple, mate. Simple, simple way of living. Single pane windows, not ones that tilt open. Yeah, slats like the glass slats. Just a simple way of living, such a simple way of life, and so happy. And just happy. Happy with, with basically nothing. What we take for granted, first world problems, you know. Yeah. We tend to whinge and moan about you know things that bother us in life, but really, when you sit down and think about it, and when you go to somewhere like that, you go, okay, I need to check myself here real quick. Yeah. Well, I should be grateful for what I have. The you know? um, traffic. I don't get mad in traffic anymore. Mm. Just from spending time in in like, well, I've been through like a little bit of South America, and it's it's super similar. Mm. Like just the way the I went to Costa Rica, and it's like the most random. It's like the random things that hit you and give you like a bit of a gut check or like perspective. Yeah, yeah. And you know what it was for me in Costa Rica? Everybody's lawn was immaculate. Like they'd have these just what you'd call just a shit house mm. but that's just the standard of living there mm. you know so that have this house and the pride that they put into making their lawns immaculate and they didn't have lawn mowers they didn't have you know like power tools to get yeah, that yeah. shit done that oh they like, the scissors yeah for real for real <laughs> yeah. like i drove past and this dude's like chopping <laughs> chopping his like his edges with uh. scissors and like his his lawn was immaculate yeah, and like yeah. they had um just like it's like red volcanic dirt there yeah and they got these handmade brooms just sweeping everything out and it's i don't know this is just like a simple pride in in their lawn yeah and just like having these lawns and their houses immaculate and it's like he i, I don't know whether it's like here you just think if you're in a low socioeconomic people don't have the same pride in, yeah, yeah. in that stuff I yeah don't, but i don't know there's just no i know what you mean it's like they hold they hold on to something that they they can have pride in, in them countries yeah. such a different way of life man I, I really love it and i'd love to uh live in one of those countries one of like in south south east asia somewhere like that even bali or thailand i don't know how for for how long but mm. i would definitely like to spend more than you know your average holiday two two weeks to a month in one of those countries um but Someday, I don't know how, but I would yeah. love to make it work. But even going training there, as you know, it's just such a... Uh, it's refreshing, like, you know, when you're training there, as you know from last year's camp, Lachlan Giles' camp last year, it was the same way. You just It gives you this it gives you this energy or something being in a place like that. There's a focus too because, like, there isn't a lot of shit to take your mind off what no. you're there to do. No, Like, we, we went there last year and it was... The thing, like you said this year, so you just got back. For I people. just got you back. You just got back yeah, from yeah. the exact same camp, yeah. but basically uh like we trained really hard there last year yeah. like we didn't basically didn't miss a role we just mm. absolutely 
put our nose to the grindstone but it's so cool because like there is nothing to really distract you like we went out on the beers a couple nights but it was Mm. just went there such a clear focus get up breakfast train juice on the way back walk back like we walked everywhere fruit juices for those who are listening yeah we weren't but we uh gonna twist it yeah we get like a yeah like a fruit juice from the juice stand yeah walk back hit the pool wash your clothes yeah. have a nap and then you do it all again back and then again. dinner and then you know a smoke by the pool and then yeah. dead like well last year we went on a lot of the tours this year i didn't i didn't oh, do didn't that no man no 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 i was just too tired last time and the same again i was really conscious of keeping fresh mentally and physically more so mentally this year that's what i meant i went with that attitude of i'm not gonna burn myself out mentally because i felt like last year i did come yeah. wednesday my brain was just fried and also i have confidence in my learning um, I know what way my body works now. I know what way my mind works compared to last year. Last year, I didn't understand that. So Having what did you do differently this year? Trained under Lachlan for a year. Yeah. Trained under Lachlan Giles for a year. And I believe that that, not only have I learned, I've spoke to you about this before, but not only have I learned jujitsu, but I've also learned the way my mind absorbs information training under Lachlan. And so we're different with the way we learn, I reckon. Yeah, 100%. Like what, what do you, like what would you say is like your optimal learning? My optimal, I think that trial and error. Yeah, okay. Trial and error is mine. I, I think you're one hundred percent right. You're way, you're we're, we're we do, we are yeah. so different. You you can in 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 ways we have a very similar style. Yeah. When rolling, two of us are sort of lanky. You're six foot two, are you? Or six, six foot? Yeah. Six foot. I'm six yeah. foot as well. Sort of six and a half, and uh, and same sort of body type. I'm a little bit heavier than you are, um. But yeah, I think our learning is different. As in, you more sit down and watch tape. I watch tape as well, but I'm more so. Your theory, I'm practical, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the difference between our learning abilities, our learning, the way we, you know, absorb information. But that's the, that's the difference, I think, this year, between this year's camp and last year's camp. Um, again, you don't only just grow in jiu-jitsu, you grow in as a person as well, I think, yeah. doing jiu-jitsu, where you're learning how your mind works, how your body works, what to do, what not to do. Um, so, yeah, that was the difference between this year's camp and last year's camp. I wasn't going out doing five rounds Monday five rounds Tuesday because yeah. it's five minute rounds mate you're doing 20 you're, 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 doing, you're doing 50 minutes yeah, of hard a rolling day, a day a day and expecting your your mind and you, you, I've went from training four times a week I tried to get between five and seven hours of training in a week f- to doing four hours a day yeah so day two you've done your weeks yeah you, you've, you've reached your weeks quota of what you would normally do when you're at home yeah so obviously I, I work in construction I'm a carpenter so that's physical so you, that gives you a couple of hours as well, but still, yeah, I didn't burn myself out. That was that was the difference, I think. I don't know whether that's with age, yeah, or with experience, or or uh, it would have just been experience. I wonder if I wonder if I would have done it differently last year because, like, I was fit last year when I went yeah, into yeah. that camp, and yeah. I was just hungry as fuck yeah. to like to get it done. But I wonder, you know, I haven't really thought if I would have done it too much differently. I probably wouldn't have rolled as hard because I remember my fucking forearms same last as year, like cooked I, this I year going, this year they were cooked as well really you yeah. got cooked again like Co- that d- just my, from my wrist to my elbow was like every time I was finishing training I was shaking yeah my hands were shaking I was a lot more I was a lot more uh, conscious of hydration and stuff this time as well like, yeah getting, that's where I learned about hydration dude getting the electrolytes the salts the sugars everything back in you know getting as much li- liquid in as I possibly could and um, doing things that way but but yeah, and yeah, we were, we arrived we arrived early, early last and year. And we rolled for two days before. Yeah, 
Two or three days? Uh, two days. Yeah. You, I think you might have done three days. I only done two days. Yeah. Oh, no, I came the first day, huh? No, you missed the first day of rolling, mm. and then you were there for the next two, and then yeah. the camp started. Yeah. Yeah. So what an experience that was. It was ridiculous, And, eh? he, and even talking to people this year in the camp, the amount of people that had had seen your video, who yeah. knew me from the video, who, who, who had booked the camp because of the video... And now we're listening to your podcast. It was like it done full circle. It was like insane. These are guys. One guy from America, from Henzo Gracie's Jim Cal, um, another guy from Canada, Ian. There was guys from all over the world. You know that uh, I was just going. This is absolutely insane. And then the fact that I was stopping off here yeah. on on the way back to to visit you and roll with you and and have a bit of crack for a couple of days. Um, it's mad. It's just a crazy world, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's fuck like. And we talk probably four times a week, at yeah, least, know. you know. We need yeah. to talk every day, so it's like, it's a mad... It's, a, it's true, yeah, that's, and that's what I mean, like, it, you don't expect that... Well, I just, I don't know that people expect that you can find, a, like, people that become really close friends. I think mm. the, the jiu-jitsu thing definitely helps, but, I mean, there's a fuckload of people I do jiu-jitsu with, you know, from club and yeah, yeah. whatever. I'm, I'm friends with them, but you don't get that you know tight but yeah, obviously yeah. it's like a good foundation but yeah. I feel like if you're open to um you know meeting new people and because I, I was talking like I mentioned Shane on the podcast you actually got to talk to Shane for a bit yesterday yeah yeah because he's an, he's another guy where he's like you you know mm. like in the last I met him when I first started he's just a dude I've really gravitated towards and now I'd say he's a really really good friend mm. and um yeah it's just it's funny how you can get to be like that and and he he said to me at the start when he first met me, he thought it was, he was like, this dude's either fucking really awesome or he's full of shit, like completely. Mm. And um, and I just thought it was funny. And like, he would say to me, like his style, like when he meets a person for the first time, he's like a little bit more like cagey and closed off and trying to like figure people out. Whereas I think my style, and he's like the person that made me think about it, to be mm. honest where I basically treat people like they're my best friends the day I meet them. And then if I don't get the same sort of vibe back or whatever, then I just, I'll just leave it there. But it's like, it's in, like, it's interesting. And I think maybe that is the reason why you, like I can meet people and be sort of tight with them straight away. Cause I will, I'll just treat people like they're my best mates. Straight from the start. We hit it off straight Yeah. Away. And if you don't get it back, you don't get it back. And then I just don't really worry yeah. about it. And some people think that it's like, a bit full on or maybe it's fake or whatever but it's i'm yeah, i'm just like ah oh, here's here's who here's who i am if you're on board you're on board if you're not you're not yeah and you know by i think by doing that you can um you know it's like say if you know spend a week like i'll talk to you here and there and then you know because i'm trying to figure you out it's like you just you can't figure someone out in a week mm. and then go off and know them you know expect to have like a friendship after that where it's what i feel like if you show all your cards and you know be 100% yourself from the start then it can I don't know it's like maybe that's what breaks barriers down to where you can have like a, a, a legit friendship without really having that much time around each other yeah yeah I know because some people yeah some people are a little you know they're slower to warm into people and I wonder whether that's the move yeah or I don't know I, I'm not sure I think I have my guard up a little but I don't know it's like uh Jiu-Jitsu is definitely something that uh, I think brings people... Uh, it's Like you said, it's a, a sort of a... Common ground. Yeah, yeah, it's common ground, yeah. I got, even this year, I met, I met some good people on the camp, like really, really cool yeah. people. And it's just from everywhere. You know, there was a couple of people that came back last year, the two Finnish boys, Fuck, the Viking Warriors, yeah. 
Dixie har fått det bra. Ja, gott. Dixie har fått det bra. Dixie, Arto and Janus. Uh, Janus. Yeah. I actually learned his name this year. I didn't know it last year. Janus Rebo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a good dude. Good Animals, man. You know, self-taught. Well, they aren't self-taught. They're in a, they're in a gym in, in but Finland. But they are but pretty self-taught, really. Yeah, man. They're leg lock. They're leg lock wizards, man. They grab a hold of your foot. Um, and you got to hit the panic button. You better. You got to know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Either get out of there or, or, or you know, know, know what you're doing. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. your ankle could be getting sent off and take it back to Finland <laughs> <laughs> add, it, yeah, add it to the wall Joe, yeah yeah, yeah like Big Bad Joe last night huh? <laughs> Big Joey Goodall came yeah. and rolled at me and Jace last night he's a Olympic uh, well Commonwealth medalist um, so he got third in the Com Games heavyweight eh no he was third in the world third world titles yeah, 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 yeah. in the world championships solid solid boxer heavyweight boxer up and coming um, future champion in my opinion but he loves jiu-jitsu and he came and rolled with us last night, man. He's just a natural athlete, isn't he? Almost ripped my fucking leg off. <laughs> almost took Jesse's foot back with him, man. <laughs> he's, what, he's 100 and what, 104 kilos. 104 kilos of Move. solid Australian animal, man, oh. is what he is. You know, when you're like, coming from Ireland, I always pictured like, uh, you know, Craig Jones yeah. and Big Joey G walking down the beach with a surfboard under their arm. You know, that was my stereotypical, yeah, 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 yeah. Aussie, uh, stereotypical Aussie dude, you know, with the hat on, with the corks hanging over, with a surfboard <laughs> under his arm, like in a can of Foster strolling down the beach. Yeah, it's not like that. But <laughs> oh, fuck, but it is like that with them. Yeah, but yeah it is. So he came and rolled. I think he's, he would have only trained a handful of times. Eh? Yeah, a dozen times maybe. But you can just feel like, it's crazy because you can just feel an athlete. Mm. Like that motherfucker is a legit, yeah. legit athlete. Yeah, yeah. And like he, I didn't, I didn't really go on top. I just sort of like played guard with him. But like, fuck, there was some stuff that he was doing that's just like so impressive. Like it's, yeah. people don't get that kind of coordination until a, like later stages mm. of jujitsu. He's put, he's put serious amount of hours into training and even, even we went away to Byron for the weekend that was half the reason I came here see you and then go to Byron with the boys for the weekend stayed in one of my mates beach house houses and broken heads but uh, he he is a phenomenal phenomenal athlete big joy G is man solid 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 dude you're not the type of dude you want to have on top of you that's for damn sure we, we were watching some of his fights last night and it's like his fucking forearms he's like he's got the longest yeah, wrist mate. to elbow I've ever seen. Yeah. And he throws fucking uppercuts like front kicks. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's crazy, though. It's solid, yeah. Just the, it's like so much leverage, eh? He's really technical as well. Like I said, we went, we went to Byron and he was going through some of the systems that he's uh, trying to introduce, uh, not introduce into boxing, but he's trying to come up with his own little system, I think. I think Jiu-Jitsu has opened his mind uh, to systematically breaking things down. I think that's something that boxing is missing. Yeah. In, in relation to like there's no sort of a set way of although his coach Glenn has, has his own little system inside the inside the boxing game but um I think it's it's an open market there that well it's an open book at the minute really. Yeah. Not even if even if it, even if there's someone not trying to make money off it but um I believe there's there's a lot that boxing can learn from Jiu Jitsu in relation to the instructional DVDs, all these different things, all yeah. this knowledge that people have that really are do they not do like instructionals for boxing not really mate they had one years ago um, it was a title like a 12 or 16 part title uh, title DVD collection I don't know what you'd call it but I remember I downloaded it it was like Jeff Fennick had a few of them Yeah, he was showing you how to do some stuff and there was another Canadian guy that's in Lomachenko's corner I can't think of his name he used to train David Lemieux uh, when he was going for the Junior Olympics and stuff Grey-haired guy, he's a French dude, French Canadian dude, 
but he also had a few DVDs that that uh, taught you how to do. Freddie Roach had some as well, taught you how to yeah. punch and stuff. But I just don't think there's. It's not done enough. I don't think it's done enough. I think I don't know. I don't know what the what the reasoning is. Maybe it's not as popular as jujitsu. Maybe there's not as many guys with that sort of um, like the knowledge. Yeah, but that type of way of learning. Maybe yeah. maybe it's like trial and error. I'm not quite sure. Jiu-jitsu is a little bit nerdy sometimes when it, it comes is, to stuff eh? like that. You know, yeah, you've got guys that are really. I was only explaining this to some one of my one of the lads that works with me the other before I went to Thailand. Like we went out for a few beers one night. There was like a, a rocket scientist, uh, a carpenter, an electrician. Uh, was this uh, in Melbourne? Yeah, a lawyer. Yeah, uh, you know, you, you, really and truly, when you're on the mats, you do not know who's on the mats with you. You know, you know, like it's just it's such a vast group of personalities and body types. Yeah. And really personality types you know such a such a such a different um group of people you yeah. know what i'm saying you don't know yeah. who like i think if you go play afl or you go play soccer for instance it's usually tradies you may have the odd office guy here or there but it's like the same sort of personality group or personality type yeah it's very you know and the thing with jiu-jitsu to be like really good at it you don't have to be an alpha male no like not you, at all yeah that's it's it, i always find it interesting too because like so Callum's a perfect example. So mm. Callum come over, he's a friend of mine from the gym, and he's 24. And you rolled with him, he's a brown belt, mm. like he's a high-level dude, and you thought he was my age. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, uh, it's it's funny because it's, when you're on the mat, it's like its own ecosystem. And there's the way that you can talk, there's so much maturity yeah. in the way that Callum can talk to you and the way that Callum mm. can show you techniques, and he's your elder in that regard mm. that he's fucking nearly 10 years younger than you I know yeah. and then as soon as you know like then we go upstairs and we're hanging out and then you're his elder yeah yeah it's a it's, it's a very weird kind of thing and and the thing that I love about one of the things that I love about it and it's cool too like I mean I feel like now I've been at the gym long enough to where people sort of they everyone knows what I do but I would ne- I'd never said to people like unless they were guys I'd hang out with that like oh I I got a podcast or whatever unless they ask I'd be like oh I'll just do a podcast but you know it was up until a couple of months ago where people would just ask me what I did like yeah. still and it's you just go in there there's no I don't, you could be a fucking garbage man bro yeah. but if you're a black belt and you're a fucking you're the don you're the don yeah like, yeah the, there is it's its own ecosystem there's its own 100% there's its own uh, hierarchy yeah and it's it's purely based on what you can do there's no factors doesn't matter what fucking gear you wear doesn't matter what your hair looks like doesn't matter what job you got doesn't matter if doesn't you matter a, what your no social one, standing is nah. you can be a billionaire and going onto the mats and if you've got a fucking white strap around your belt yep. around your waist you're just a white belt in there and i tell you what if you're a fucking billionaire like well russell brand's a perfect example mm. he just got his blue belt the other day yeah that dude's a fucking superstar mm. and i guarantee there's blue belts in that gym that are fucking legal secretaries that he'll suck their dick for a bit of info <laughs> you know what i mean like he's looking at them like tell me how the fuck you just did that to me and it's uh, like that it just it deletes all the bullshit yeah yeah that like that the, the, the social stigma yeah yeah it's gone and uh, i mean the even just to the uniform thing at at my gym everyone has to wear the same uniform yeah you don't even get a chance at our gym to like if you've got an old dirty gear or it's from 20 years ago mm. and you can't afford to get the new thing versus a fresh water, like myself, I would be the prime example of being a fucking, wearing all the flash best shit you could buy because I'm a knob like that. But you know, like there's no disparity even in like, um, when you wear a gym that's got uniforms, you can't even pick a person out that 
doesn't isn't well off or yeah, yeah. you know whereas yeah. i feel like i think it's the same principle of like a school uniform like you you know you get kids that if you make everyone wear all black shoes and all black socks and you, you can't pick you can't pick out can't the poor kid as easy yeah yeah so yeah it's just uh it's very interesting the way that that ecosystem doesn't discriminate and it's just so clear on who the fucking don is every time you're on the mat yeah no i agree 100 percent. not a massive fan of the uniforms but yeah i do agree i agree with you the, um you don't know who's who or what's what once you get onto the mats it's it's a different world everything from the external world is left and the external world it's just that's it and yeah. i think that that's probably the reason that um because people will say like it's a humbling experience mm. i think obviously you're getting fucking choked and yeah you're getting shown where your weaknesses are and you can't hide from it like you don't get a choice if you roll with this guy you're getting fucked up yeah yeah and you have to be humble you can't be a little bitch about it you're gonna no. take your lickings but i also think there is a there is an element of just that where it's like it it all that other shit doesn't matter yeah. when you're in there for the you know say you spend seven hours a week it doesn't matter that you're a carpenter it doesn't matter that you've got a difference watching you know, it just yeah. it, it's and i think it just it's just like a true self it's based on the skills that you've got at the time and then i think you do take that with you outside of the gym 100 percent. and uh I, and i mean i i know like doing well at the state state titles like i champ got, i got champ 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 champ, champ, champ. <laughs> but i got i felt humble from it you yeah, know yeah. like you'd think that if you won something that was like that and it's been a goal and you've been fucking working your ass off yeah. to get it that you'd be like get yeah. a bit of fuck get puffed up because you like, go back to the gym and get your ass banged yeah true you know it doesn't make a difference how many medals you have around your around your neck go to the gym there's some dude that won them 10 years ago he's going to yeah. show you what's up and it's as simple as that respect is earned it's not given it's not given in there it's earned you have to earn respect of as you said your elders which are the guys who have higher belts than you, you it, you're not too long getting your ass handed to you and uh, one thing that I, I have I have there's a guy called Sean I'm not going to try pronounce his second name from from our gym and uh, well he's St Kilda or uh, Absolute Collingwood not St Kilda I train an Absolute St Kilda but when he got his black belt he recently said um, you know your worst day is someone's best day yeah so you, you go in and you go in and something that will stick in my head forever you know it's something like you go into the gym and, and get tapped by someone who's never tapped you before they've left the gym feeling like you know a million bucks a million bucks for all they've left the gym thinking I can't believe I just got him and you've left the gym going fuck I can't believe he got me I can't believe he got me yeah and it, it's like it works both ways because you're going okay I need to put that work in now I, yeah. need to, I need to figure out why he got me with that and 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 even sometimes even sometimes you're just you're flowing and someone will catch you still can eat you still can still can you know you're going fuck I still shouldn't have got caught though I should have been uh, I should have been on the ball a little bit more but um it's definitely it's definitely good it's a life changer I'd, I'd strongly advise anyone who hasn't tried jiu-jitsu to get out and try it uh, even my sister who has she's only she's two years younger than me so she's just after turning 30 she just picked up jiu-jitsu probably six months ago oh, she just really? got, yeah yeah Lorraine yeah she just got her first stripe um last week no shit she's strung out bro she's going like four times a week i can't believe how much she's after getting stuck into it but yeah. she's training in spg nice yeah so oh is that in that's the mcgregor's gym right it's mcgregor's gym yeah but he he john cavanagh's gym is spg island yeah. Yeah. which is the headquarters but mcgregor trains mostly in spg nice i think he's out at the minute with a thumb injury but he usually trains a lot in in spg nice and that's where my sister's training too she's met him and got pictures with him and yeah so it's been really really good uh, peter creedy trains there sergey mcgregor's wrestling, uh, wrestling coach guy, yeah. yeah yeah he owns the gym yeah peter creely i believe owns it. i'm not quite sure what way it's broken down but 
Um, yeah, it's just a good environment. No one has any ego. Um, same as every everywhere. Well, most gyms that I've ever trained in, um, especially with jiu-jitsu, I think I've trained in a lot of boxing gyms, and and it tends to be uh, there's a lot of when you walk when you walk into a boxing gym, it's sort of like everyone's head pops up and they're there going, Who, "Who's this guy? Who's the new dude walking yeah. in?" Who, who, who's going to be the first guy to test themselves against him? Yeah, it does happen a little bit in jiu-jitsu it too. Does a little bit, but a little bit. It's not as much. It's usually like we'll start off. I think it's friendlier. I feel mm. like in in a boxing gym, you know, people will sort of are a little bit standoffish till they see uh, see what you're made of. Yeah, and because then, it, it's more consequence. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, but I was actually talking to Big Joey about this at the weekend. I was just saying because he was, was going, yeah, and I was I was drifting back thinking, ah, there's not much in the difference, but that's the only difference I could sort of think of. The boxing gym is sort of there mightn't be as many people who will approach it to introduce themselves and sort of you introduce themselves to you until they see a spar or until they see what you're made of, and then yeah, and then um, then it'll go from there. But um, but yeah. It's it's a game changer. Uh, as I said, I strongly advise anyone to do it. Give it a chance. Don't just go once or twice and, and say it's not for me. Don't want people sweating on me. I don't want this, that, and the other. But it's really, uh, as you know, it's a life changer. Man, I I am. Um, I had. What would you be doing? What would you be doing if it wasn't for jujitsu? Yeah, it's uh, it it gave me, like, I would definitely. I'm not. I wasn't one of those people that like I was looking for something. It's mm. almost like I found something I didn't know I was looking for. If that makes sense. Mm. And like I've always. Like before I was doing jiu-jitsu, I was like heavy into golf. And then I was, and I was riding my mountain okay. bike a lot. And I was, so yeah. I've, I've always Had done sport. Do. Yeah. I've always done it. And it yeah. would have been the same with you for boxing. Yeah. But it just, I don't know. It feels like the, the jiu-jitsu thing is, it's satisfied a lot of needs. Yeah, yeah. And there's, and like I was talking to Joe about it yesterday because, you know, it, I'm fucking rolling with a professional athlete. Yeah. Like a legitimate professional athlete that had 30 plus 34 kilos of weight on me yeah yeah and all i see is it's just a problem to solve yeah you know what i mean i don't and it wasn't until after and we went upstairs and we were hanging out and watching his fights i was like this motherfucker killer, is a like, killer i knew that already Here i am just trying to <laughs> fucking choke the shit out of this cunt i knew that already uh, and it's like he's a down and i did and i knew what he did but yeah yeah you no know, i know you it know, doesn't you sink don't in. have it and yeah. in the moment and i think that's what i i do like about it and you know, like some of the, there's definitely people at the gym because the way I roll, I just go black. I don't, I don't know who, I don't see the person. Mm. I don't think, I just go it's fucking, just body type. I just go black and then it's just one problem after the next mm. and then the buzzer goes and you fucking snap out of it. And hey, fuck yeah, good yeah. work. That was sick. But it, I don't, it's just, yeah, problem after problem. And the, I think it's the same with everything though that I've done and I didn't really, it wasn't until my uncle Glenn. Did you ever? Do you listen to the podcast of my uncle Glenn? Fucking legend. He's a mountain bike dude, and um, I didn't realize that everything I do, everything I'd done through my life, was all about quieting down the noise. And I just with mountain biking, you know, like you, you know, you saw me riding the. I did, yeah. The pulling bike pulling wheelies down the middle of fucking Burley, man. I was like, what the fuck? I was on some high Nelly. You know what I mean? Sitting like West Coast style with the handlebars up, some girl's bike, with one gear special. J- yeah. JC Mack comes by and he's fucking pulling wheelies <laughs> but I mean that's that's just all we did and like you know we'd go down these fucking just these like literally to the top of the fucking rainforest mm. and then ride down wet slippery roots and rocks it's it's just again it's like I like what Rogan says it's like high level problem solving mm. it takes you yeah. out it takes you out of reality 
you can't think way. of anything you, else, man. Because you get yeah. fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, with mountain bikes, I knock my fucking teeth out. Like yeah. I've had, you get you get hurt, and it's like the greater the risk, the more intense the focus it has seems, to be. Yeah, it seems to be. I used to ride racehorses, a steeplechase jockey when I was when I, from the yeah, age. I'm fucking mad. I can't from the age of fourteen that. to nineteen, yeah, and I just got too big, but. Um, it was the same, and even when I boxed, it was the same sort of a. It's like time slows down when you're in it. When you're actually in a in a competition, it's the same, very same feeling for me. Yeah. As being in a in a steeplechase race, as being in a boxing fight, as being in a jujitsu match, I felt like it's the same. Like time slows down, or it goes real quick, but it's slow. I don't know yeah. how to explain it, but it's like it's you're almost in a matrix. Have you? Yeah, dude. I've. I mean, I've had times where I've called you on the way home from training, and I've literally said I was in the matrix. Yeah. Me. And I, I like now that I'm getting to be better at it. I fucking I just I love watching myself I love watching stuff back in my head after the fact mm. and like knowing what was just instinct like I think that's one of the things that I really enjoy is like the human instinct element of it where it's like I did something the other day against a, a guy and I he had me pinned for pretty much the whole round and I was like fuck I shouldn't be here mm. and it was just I was doing everything I could just to try and get back to a position I could attack Got, I just got the tiniest bit of elbow and knee in. The guy stood up, and as he stood up, I fucking armbarred him. I was inside control for six minutes, and then just like that. Split second, everything and, I, and it was just instinct. I'd never done it before. Mm. I'd never, pl- never drilled it. I've never learned it. I've de- it was just instinct, mm. human instinct. And I think that, to me, that's like intriguing. And I think that oh, it's like there's something to that. And if you can start tapping into like it's like human potential that you didn't know you had mm. and it's on a micro scale like we're in a safe environment we're in the gym the dude's my friend it's like any other monday morning but it's just that bit of instinct and like i don't know i just feel like you can uh you have those like little wins and you get those little bits of instinct and then you like it's like you can carry them over into like yeah. your normal life and you just i don't know it's like you trust it you trust, you, you it, yeah, trust yeah. that you're gonna do the right thing when yeah. the time comes. comes to it yeah i don't Cause know because you're repeatedly doing it every day well whatever seven hours a week three hours a week whatever, yeah. whatever amount of times you're doing it but I agree you, you, you trust like I was saying earlier I tr- I now trust my learning uh, the, I, I understand the way I learn yeah. I understand I'd, like the difference between this year's camp and last year's camp was I panicked come Wednesday I was like oh my god so much information I don't know what to do like am I am I the only one that's on this course that doesn't know what's happening uh, was then, this last year yeah yeah, yeah. This year, I just let I just it was natural. Let it flow through. I know in so for me, the way I learn is I tend to the way Lockie teaches is we'll 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 do as you know we'll do a set move for the week, and then the following week it'll be a move which Stems is linked it, to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. He's a genius. Man's an absolute genius. Blessed to be training there. He's the best in the world in my opinion. And um, but. I knew that usually if 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 I learn something, it takes four to five weeks for it to click. Yeah. And what we usually do, I think it's like a five or six week cycle where we'll go over stuff for five to six weeks that are linked. And then at the end of that five to six weeks, we go through the whole lot again, briefly, for one full week. We like, like we do everything that we learned over that. And then it's like it automatically sinks in. You go, boom, okay. Oh, I now remember that and yeah. that's it and it starts working for me from there on now so I trust the process now Yeah, I guess that's what you're getting now Jiu Jitsu has taught me that to trust the process Yeah, it's going to work just stick with it and you can't get any worse it's another thing as simple as it may sound and as idiotic as it may sound that the more you do something 
you can't get any worse. Yeah. But jujitsu has taught me that you, you can't get any worse. If you keep practicing at something, whether it be throwing darts, whether it be whatever it may be, if you keep throwing darts at a wall or at a board, you're going to get better at it. Yeah. It's just something that's going to happen. No. Some people get better quicker. Some people get, you know, it takes more time, but you cannot get any worse. You can't. Well, there's a guy, the guy that we went up for his birthday in the hill yesterday, Millsy. He's, he's a fucking awesome dude. And like, he'd say like, oh, I just, I've accepted the fact that I'm a slow learner. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. Just, but he, he's fucking good. Yeah, yeah. He shows up. Yeah. And he, if you roll, he's a fucking tough role. Yeah. And he, he's just there. He just shows up. And, just, and like, you look at dudes that, like, you look at anyone that has a purple belt or a brown belt. It's like, they're a nasty motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, they might be slow learners, but guess what? They're still a fucking brown belt. They showed up every day. Yeah, they just kept kept showing up. And like, it, uh, Shane posted a picture yesterday of when he got his first stripe off Fabio. And he's like, super young. Fabio looks super young. And like, that dude's a wizard now. He's got his own academy. You don't know where you can be. Yeah. And like, when he got that first fucking stripe on his white belt, he didn't know that in six seven years time he was going to own an academy with that guy mm. but it's like again just showing up just keep doing and it. you build the respect it's one thing as a i'm self-employed as an employee as an employer that i've learned showing up is something that has to be respected you know yeah. and that's another thing that obviously i keep referring back to but that's another thing i've learned from jiu-jitsu people who show up have to be respected they show up every day yeah they show up on time they don't mess around there's no excuses you know, everyone can come up with excuses. There's a book full of them, you know. There's a hundred million excuses you can use to, to dip out of going and putting the work in. But you have to respect someone who shows up on time every time. Yeah. Or just shows up, you know. Shows up all the time. And it's, you, see it in the, you see it in the gym. If you show up, you have to get better. Yeah. It's a, it's a simple law. Show up, you're going to get better. It's as simple as that. And, you, you know, and I guess that's what I was saying before about, like, I didn't think that... I didn't think that there was like all these areas in my life where I was like, I need so I need something. Mm-hmm. I need you know, mm-hmm. and you do like there are people like you know. Well, for pe- me, for me, it was I had boxed. I started boxing at twenty twenty two in New York. I boxed in a little gym in, in Yonkers, and then I moved to Gleason's gym, trained there for three years. Really famous gym. Mike Tyson trained there. Uh, Roberto Duran, to name a few. Polly Malinaji, who's just been in the news recently. <laughs> they all trained there. And then I, I moved to Perth and started boxing under Sean Nash and had a few fights under Sean. Won a state title and won a few other little titles like that. And and then I had a void. Like I was I was like 26, 27. And like I had nothing. I was going, okay, I'm going down to the boxing club. It's predominantly kids I'm boxing with, like 15, 16 year old kids. I mean, there was no sort of... No real challenge. Yeah, there was yeah. no camaraderie. There was no... I, I, that's the one thing I like about jiu-jitsu. It's like we're brothers, you know? Yeah. Like where I couldn't have a conversation with anyone. And that's not nothing reflecting on the gym. It's just the, the state of boxing. Yeah. No one wants to get punched in the face when they're in their late 20s. I started late. So for me, it was like uh, there was a massive void there. I just didn't know what to do with myself. I was hitting the bag in the basement and I was going to boxing classes and, and sparring random dudes and sparring randomly in different gyms. And then... Um, I ended up finding jiu-jitsu. And what, what got you into it first off? I, I, I watched McGregor, funny story, I watched McGregor versus Mendes. Yeah, And right. McGregor ca- kept catching Mendes with this spinning heel kick. I was going, God, I'd love to learn how to kick. I never threw a kick in my life. So I ended up going to this uh, Taekwondo class in, in Perth, Western Australia. And... Um, I was there for a couple of weeks. I was doing some spinning, some spinning shit as the Diaz brothers would say. <laughs> and I was really liking it. It was a bit refreshing. It was cool. There was adults there. There was kids there. 
Uh, I also wanted to find something that my son could do. I only had one mm-hmm. son at the time. I now have two, but I wanted to find something that I could do with him, and I really didn't want him taking slaps to the head uh, at such a young age. If he wants to do it later in life, he can, but I didn't want him taking any trauma to his brain. So um, I went down, and then I was doing some some Taekwondo for a couple of weeks, and then um, this another Irish, it was an Irish man who was taking the class, but another Irish man came in who was doing Kempo and, uh, Kempo and Krav Maga. And it was like a self-defense course we were going to do for two weeks. Yeah. So I was there, oh, cool. This, this sounds good. And we'd done some stuff on the ground. And I remember I got on the ground with this, like he was maybe five foot six, five foot seven, probably in his early 60s, late 50s, early 60s. Really? Maybe 60 kilos. And he fucking fucked me up, bro. <laughs> Smoked me. I got, he let me get mount. He booked, he booked his hips, wrapped my arm, got me over, sat up and arm bar me. I was going, what the fuck just happened to me there? Did, did that really just happen? I was going, I don't give a fuck how many boxing classes you've done, how many state titles you've done. That cunt just fucked you up. <laughs> so it's just, it was just the vulnerability of, of, at that very, I was there, okay, I have to learn how to do this. And it was like a challenge to me then. And then soon after I moved to Queensland and I, there was, funnily enough, it was like it was meant to be, two streets down, I moved to a, a place in, in Brisbane called Tuong and, and there was a Queensland martial arts, it was like two blocks away. So I said, okay, I've got no, I've got no more excuses. No excuses yeah. Massive Joe Rogan fan, listening to him talking about jiu-jitsu and, and, and all that type of stuff. So I said, I'll go down and give it a try. That was like probably two, two and a half years ago. Went down, done about a half a dozen classes there, or a dozen classes maybe. Loved it. Um, actually injured myself the first time I went. We were doing some stand-up, uh, trying to take downs, stand-up. Takedowns from stand-up, uh, obviously from stand-up, but yeah, we were doing some takedown stuff and I jarred my back had to take like a week off work um, and I just couldn't wait to get back though. Did you watch like heaps of shit on YouTube the whole time or? Yeah, oh yeah, from the from the from from that time that old guy submitted me, uh, that was me. I was really? st- strung out bro, I was strung out and that was like within two weeks of moving to, I couldn't believe it, this, you know, oh man, I just Fuck your shit. fucked me up <laughs> and like instantly, it was like a real, it wasn't a real fight but he said okay, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Boom, buzzer went and he just, Booked me off, and like I had a dominant position. Obviously, we weren't throwing punches. Even if we were, it wouldn't have made a difference. I didn't know anything about it, but it was such a shock to my system. Yeah, that this guy could do that to me. So, yeah, went there, jarred my back the first first time I ever done jujitsu. Do you remember what the takedown was? It was. I do remember it. We were trying to was it gi or no gi? Gi. Yeah, gi. We were trying to skip under the arm. We were trying to get our head under the arm and and frame up with our heads. And instead of using my knees, you just bent straight. Down. I was bending with my neck. And bop, popped the bottom of my back. I, I'd done it many times with boxing. I actually had so many issues with the bottom right-hand corner of my back with boxing because of the stance. Yeah, if, so it, like one, yeah, one-sided. One-sided, but if you leave your right foot behind when you're throwing a right hand, you'll jar your back. For me, personally, you know, it probably means I wasn't throwing the punch correctly, but it used to happen from time to time. I had some issues with it. So I popped the bottom of my back, had to take two weeks off work. I was going, fuck, fuck this jiu-jitsu shit, you know? But then I ended up going, no, I'm going back, I'm going back. Still like, Strung out in it, watching DVDs, watching videos, watching as much information as I could. Sorry. And, um, yeah, went straight back down again once my back got better. I told the guy I wasn't doing any stand-up. <laughs> yeah, I still feel like that every fucking time. Yeah, I yeah. Like, I still, I don't do this shit. Yeah, I'm still lacking <laughs> lots of in every area, but especially in the stand-up side of things. I'd love to do wrestling, but I'm a little bit afraid with my knees. And yeah, I'm the same. But, um, so yeah, that was it. Started there, and then I moved shortly after. I'd done about a dozen classes there and moved houses and I was going back to Ireland so I stopped probably for three or four months 
had a had a little bit of a gym in my basement in the house I was living in, so um just got back boxing again, staying fit and, and, and healthy and doing some weights and uh then ended up moving to Brothers Jiu Jitsu, which is a Peter Bean affiliate. Yeah. Which you've came and rolled with me before in. It's up in uh, up in Brisbane. Two two really good yeah, dudes. Good man. Dude, yeah, really, really good dudes. Small gym, family and like my son started there as well, sort of the same time as me. Um and that was it. Went to Lockies, went to Absolute St. Kilda a year ago by accident. Really? Went, yeah. So you didn't know about Lockie before you went no, there? No, man. What happened was, I obviously knew who Craig was, you know. Yeah, yeah. I knew who Craig... Fuck Craig Jones. Yeah, no. fuck Craig. <laughs> yeah, fuck Craig Jones. <laughs> but uh, I ended up... Um, I went to one of Craig's... Cla- Craig just came back from America and he put up on his Instagram about... Uh, about if anyone wants to do any any PTs, privates, uh, or... I see you've done a private with Craig. No, no. Oh, okay. No, if anyone wants to do any privates or anyone want to go to his class. So I, I just... I, I felt like, I felt I wasn't at the level to do a private with Craig Jones. I was going, oh, I can't, can't be... I'm only white belt. I can't be asking to do privates with me. It's sort of a different sort of mentality than I don't yeah. know. But, um, so I ended up going to one of his classes in Absolute Collingwood, which where you done the podcast with him. Went there... Um, done one of his classes and he said oh you should come I had literally just got my I got my blue belt a week before I went to Absolute to start training in Absolute so I went to Craig's class on the Tuesday fresh blue belt fresh blue belt bro. I didn't know what a heel hook was um, didn't wasn't too bad in, in Collingwood Collingwood's probably one of the sort of it's more MMA based than, than St. Kilda St. Kilda's pure Jiu Jitsu um, so it wasn't too bad and then uh, he said, come over to the advanced class on Wednesday. I, I couldn't get in because they didn't know who I was and they wanted to see if I was capable of... I told him I just got my blue belt. And he went, oh, maybe you should... Uh, the guy who was on the desk, um, he said, maybe maybe you should just come to a normal class first and we'll assess you and see how you go. I said, okay. So I went over on the Thursday night to to Absolute St. Kilda and that was okay. It was gi, so I didn't... Went on the Friday night, Raw, right? <laughs> I wrote this guy called Boris. If you're listening, Boris, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. But I ended up rolling with him and he tapped me like 50 times, at least with heel hooks. Just like heel hook, heel hook, heel hook, heel hook. I felt like throwing my blue belt into the bin and quitting. I was just going, I don't deserve this thing. But it's just a different game. Yeah. It's just a different game. So That's how I felt with you on Friday. Yeah. It's like, fuck this shit. It's just a different game though. You know, so if you don't do it, it's... it's uh, it actually has fired me up a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I, well, I just, I want to, yeah, I just want to go uh, maybe once every couple of weeks, just get with some boys and do it and just start figuring it out because why would you ignore 50% of the Why would you ignore <laughs> 50% of the human body? Why, uh, Jason? Fucking weirdo. Why? He's a genius. Yeah, he's a genius. Um, but yeah, like it, 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 yeah, when you don't, when there's like a whole area of a sport that you don't, you don't do and, and and people are so afraid of it, man. But genuinely, I've never I've n- touch wood, touch every bit of timber I can. But uh, genuinely, I've never got an injury. I have I have said this to you before that uh, the esteem lock I think is the most dangerous move in jujitsu. It's the only one that's ever injured me. You now maybe people are are sitting there thinking, oh okay, but if you get heel hooked and it does work, and you end up popping your knee, well, then tap, man. Yeah. As soon as someone gets you, it's an eye contact thing. Like, you know, as soon as someone gets you in that position, if you want to be a tough guy and play heel hooks, you're going to get your knee blown out. Yeah. It's as easy, it's as simple as that. So for people that are listening that don't know jiu-jitsu, basically you, there's a there's a move and it's sort of like recently come into prominence again, like maybe in the last three or four years. But basically 
you'll you'll use your legs to control a person's upper thigh and then you'll basically expose the heel which is sort of ends up down by your rib cage and then you rotate the you'll rotate their heel counterclockwise and then put pressure into their knee clockwise and the force that is generated by the heel because it's such a long lever of your body puts so much like rotational force on your knee if you if you let that if you let someone do that and you don't tap or you roll and add any extra pressure you completely destroy the ligaments in your knee so mechanically it's Mm. a very dangerous position and i mean every position in jiu-jitsu is mechanically dangerous like that's what it's designed to kimura do kimura is the same kimura, have you seen the videos of people's like yeah. fucking arms snapping in kimuras i think the best way to explain a footlock is okay if you put your foot into a vice grips and do and try to do and spin and do a 360 yeah that's, which, the, that's, that's exactly what's going to happen yeah. you're going to that's that's the same thing that's going to happen if you if you have your heel and you try to spin it's just someone has your foot locked down and you're going to blow your every little ligament in your knee completely out the thing beyond repair sometimes i think like yeah like everything is dangerous but i think what makes the uh that uh like the heel hook so dangerous yeah. is it's not it's not more dangerous but i think it's just the time that it takes for that injury to repair like mm. if you don't tap to a kimura you break your humerus bone six weeks you're in fucking plaster maybe you need some surgery for some metal you get back and you're ready to rip mm. but if you fuck your knee you might never come back you might never come back mm. so I think that's the thing but I mean we we fuck you healed me fucking 50 times the other day yeah. and like it's fine you just tap early tap early and tap off and I'm not yanking I'm not, no. it's not as if I'm going to sit there and, and pull on your heel I'm not going to pull hard like, that shit yeah, yeah exactly or for anyone who doesn't know about it or who is interested in learning about it is there's a great documentary we only, we only watched this morning before we could down to yeah, the podcast which is Stuart Cooper and Dean uh, Lister which is brilliant. He was like one of the original leg locking experts, and uh, he he's got a really really good documentary with Stuart Cooper's only put up in the last couple of days, which explains the sort of history, a little bit of the history behind the heel hooking and 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 leg lock um, scene. Mm. It's like a, a completely different game. There's some guys in in absolute Saint killer that are specialized. That's what they do. They grab a hold of your foot. They might have twenty kilos. You could have twenty thirty kilos on these guys if they get a hold of your foot. It's over. It's over. Not only are they snatching your foot up, but they're dropping your hips down onto the mat, mm. getting your, your two legs together. So basically, like you're hog tying someone. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Hog tying someone and snatching on their heel. That's what it basically is. Like the likes of Jeremy Skinner and yeah, and all these like Craig Jones, Lucky, all these guys. They they get a hold of your foot, man. You're you're in big big trouble. There's definitely um there's definitely a part of like because we don't do any of it at our gym as you know mm. there's definitely a part of me that enjoys the fact that I'm gonna learn like I'm learning more because I feel like you can definitely branch off yeah and you can you can literally win the world championship just on knowing those systems yeah, yeah, yeah. so there I mean there is a part of me where like I'm never gonna be an ADCC champion so it's like I am I am grateful that I do get forced to really mm. focus on the rest of uh, jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu yeah that's that's one of the reasons why in our gym you can't as a white belt you can't do heel hooks you can yeah. learn them but no one can do them on you and and uh, you can't do them you right. can't do yeah. them you can you can do leg uh like straight ankle locks um but you can't you can't do any heel hooks which i think is excellent because otherwise you start falling back for anyone who knows anything about jiu-jitsu you end up falling back instead of trying to pass the guard which is yeah the, which is the legs um guard is the legs in jiu-jitsu instead of trying to pass the guard you end up sitting back on the heel hook or or doing a leg drag and sitting back on the heel hook so it's to 
that there's a method behind uh, behind Lockie's way of thinking. Yeah, you can't you can't start doing that as white belts, even early blue belts. It's almost like an unfair advantage for someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, you know, as you know, yeah, it's just it's just a it's a it's a different game. But it is it's definitely something that I do want to put time into. Mm. But again, because I want to be rounded, yeah, I want to know exactly you know, everything. I want to know all or all you, of the things. You'll never way. know everything, but yeah, get as much knowledge as you possibly can. Yeah, yeah, and that that's the other thing. Like you will never know everything. No, never. It's fucking crazy, especially with your body type. You might know everything that suits your body. No, you probably won't still, but yeah, certain things will not suit your body type. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. Small people have certain moves that work for them. Big people have certain moves that work for them. Um, so it's all it's all. Uh, Relative, relative. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, it's 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 a. Uh, that's what makes it even crazier. Again, there's so many little just games within games, within games, games within game, within yeah. games for yeah. days, man. For days and days and days, you can you can. And it's like it's crazy too. Like with me and my triangles, like I'd say that's probably my specialty. Mm. And then you get so good at one thing, and then people know that you're good at that thing. So then they start giving you other things because they're giving you those other things then you might get really good at straight footlocks because people are avoiding, yeah. they don't want to go into that place and then you go down that rabbit hole and it's yeah. it's, fuck, yeah. it's a crazy yeah. deal. You have to be, something I'm very conscious of, I'm only early in my jiu-jitsu journey, I'm doing it two and a half years, but something I'm very conscious of, of not, is not becoming reliant on, on the one thing that gets yeah. you the Ws. Yeah, so Kimura, I, I like the Kimura, I like the Kimura trap, um, it's something that, that works well for me, but I just have to be careful not to rely on it solely. Otherwise, you end up getting really, really good at that part of your game. So I'm always trying to, I'm always trying to branch out and learn new things and learn, and making sure that I am rolling with people who make me uncomfortable. I have a bit of a system. Again, since I've lucky sort of, we done this study early, early this year, and um, where he was trying to figure out the best way for people to learn. And I think I found my sweet spot where we usually in the in the fundamentals classes we'll have three roles in the in the intermediate classes we'll have five roles. So let's just say for instance we have three roles. I'm trying to roll with three different types of guys. I'm trying to roll with a guy that I submit quite easily. I'm trying to roll with a guy who I sort of have a fifty fifty with. I might tap him, he might tap me, and I'm trying to roll with a guy who usually taps me. So someone that's way more advanced than me. Um. I believe that's the best way for me to learn because I think I have the best of all worlds yeah. that way. I'm learning from the guy who's who's basically fucking me up. I'm having a good scrap with the guy who I'm good with and then I'm 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 trying new stuff with the guy who I know more than or who I'm doing it longer than. Yeah. Um so I think that's been working well for me. I I really took a lot of confidence this year going to the camp and rolling with people that I'd rolled with last year. And because there were so many blue belts on the camp um in Thailand um, I felt as if I, I, I more than held my own with everyone who was on the same level as me, especially at the blue belt level, even some of the purple belt level. Um, so I took great confidence in that. You know, I walked away and went, okay, this is this is stuff is starting to click. I'm really yeah. I'm really starting to learn now. Um, which I which which you know, but sometimes you need to be sure of these yeah, things. It's yeah. like human nature, you know. You know these things in the back of your head. It seems like it's common sense. Well, it's like proof of concept. Exactly, because it's like you've got a like a concept in your mind of where you're at, yeah. and you can feel pretty solid in that concept. But until you test the waters, mm. then you know you're not going to get that confirmation. Yeah, and and proof of the concepts that you have in your head. It's the same with competing. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I, I agree. Competing is really a as a. Is the best way to find out. But it's it's such a weird thing competing because you have some guys who who don't do too well on the mats, 
I, yeah, I find it more so in boxing, maybe because I haven't been doing jiu-jitsu long enough, but you have some guys that, that box in, in, in sparring and you go, going, that's guy, I'm lighting him up every time we spar. Come fight night, man. That, he shows up and he's tearing through people. Yeah. It's just like when the bright lights are on, that's, that's when the real, that's when your true character comes through, when everyone's there looking at you, yeah. when everyone's there to see what's happening and what's not happening. So um, that's the true test of character, I think, you know, is either competing a competition it's a true yeah. test of character how good are you okay let's see you competing anyone can become and be a hero on the mats let's see how good you are on, on showtime you know what I mean it's so it's crazy because like I have such a, like a weird relationship with the competitions like I've done a lot mm, you have you've competed tons bro Yeah, but I don't like it at all no like the lead up to it's fucked nerve wrecking the nerves the like self doubt that you go through but it's like having three shits twelve pisses oh, fucking fuck bro yeah the, you're just pissing the whole yeah. time that you're there just you're so going why the fuck is everyone here all my friends are here they're all drinking beers yeah. they're doing this they're doing that why am I doing this for you free feel, and, yeah. you feel like the weight of your whole academy on your fucking shoulders on your sho- especially like, with Khalid man you guys are 50 deep every time someone's going to compete so there's a massive amount of pressure but that that builds character pressure makes diamonds yeah man and then but there is there is a thing like because i think i'm one of those people where like i'll give it every like i train fucking hard Mm. but i think that it's not until the competition comes like there's just a different person that will come out and i I do like that competition can bring that person Mm. out and i think that the longer i'm training the more i feel like i can tap into that and yeah, yeah, spark that shit, homie. Spark. Um, the more that I'm training, I think I can actually um, channel that guy in in the training room. But like, I don't know. There's just there's something different about when the shit actually counts. There is the people there watching you again. Show up. Who's gonna show up on fight day? Yeah. Who's gonna show up and 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 get in and and show their true character? But oh, Ash in this bitch too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, there's a I don't know. There's just there's a weird thing. But I, I it, again, it's like that instinct too. There's like an instinct that comes out in that competition, and it's just like where the fuck does this guy live all the time? You know, <laughs> like who? Where is that guy? Like I need that dude when I'm fucking walking down the street, or I need that dude when I'm in business, or like I don't know. I feel like it gives you that. There's confidence that that person exists within <coughs> within yourself, yeah. and it's because that dude's been tested and mm. I don't know it's like because there is there's so much like self-doubt man like I, even like I'd go like right before I'm gonna go to sleep sometimes like I got the nationals coming up and I'm like fucking you have dreams of getting armbarred in the first round yeah. and then you fly to Melbourne it's all for nothing and the, yeah. I don't know you've like you've got to beat that you've got to beat that negative voice and it's like mm. the more you beat that negative voice over and over the fucking quieter it gets to where you just live your life as a dude that like doesn't have that negativity yeah but it's like Gog- David Goggins says you know you're just callousing the brain you're callousing the mind you're making the mind tougher I think that's the that's that's what that is in my opinion I think you know battling with your demons constantly and there's nothing like that competition it's not like playing and I don't mean to sound disrespectful to anyone who plays footy or rugby or anything like that it's just not the same it's not the same it's not the same it's a single it's, you're doing it by yourself mm. everyone's looking at you it's like if you lose you lose, you know. It's, it's not, oh, well, I didn't get past the ball or I didn't get, didn't, you know. None of that shit. It's you. It's on you, man. You didn't You didn't show up. You didn't perform. You didn't do whatever. So I believe that, that that's a, an added pressure, in yeah. my opinion, to to an already high-pressured situation. Yeah. You're going to... Because it's a fight, man. It's a, it really is a fight. People think, oh, yeah, jiu-jitsu is a little bit more. I hear a lot of the MMA guys saying that, that 
there's a lot less pressure, which I'd imagine there is. Yeah. You don't have the pressure of getting knocked out in front of everyone, but you do have the pressure of looking like an idiot or performing badly. Because that's all it is with me. I'm not afraid of getting hurt. I'm just afraid of letting myself down. I know what I'm capable of. So if I don't show up, I, I beat myself up. You know, I'm going, why the fuck did I not show up today? Mm. What was wrong? What did I do wrong? I've been doing this in the gym. I've been doing that in the gym. But again, you can do what you want in the gym. It's when the the bright lights are on. Um, it's who shows up. There's a there's definitely a, a thing to um, like how hard you can train. Like so when after the state titles one of our coaches Hennon who you know good yeah, really he, was good in, was. he was in Bali yeah. and then he come back and he's like what was different why did you do good this time like oh, why yeah. did you do so yeah, well yeah okay yeah and I was like and I all I said I was just like I just fucking trained so hard hard yeah and like I honestly got to the point like there was a point when I got to the comp I was just like fuck fuck it yeah. I literally I couldn't do anything more I was watching fucking DVDs I was training my ass off. I You've was done your best. Myself. Yeah. Like I, and then there's there's a comfort that comes with that in a way. You know what I mean? Like mm. you just go fuck it. Like I can't. If this if if I get if I get beat here, what else can I? I couldn't do any. Yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah. do anything about it. I've yeah. done everything I fucking can to yeah. avoid getting beat by this guy, and it fucking it didn't happen. It's fine. It is what it is. And then there's a certain like attitude in life where I think that like. How many how many people truly give it everything, and then they can get to, you know, say you get to a business meeting, you've got a meeting with your boss, you got to present what you've been working on for the last six months. You know when you feel fucking nervous and fucked up inside, and like oh fuck, uh, it's because there's probably a part of you that knows that you could have done more. Yeah, but it's like when you can get to that point, anything you do in life, it's probably the same with raising kids, mm. the same with owning a business, the same with the way you eat the same like if you fucking get to critical junctures in life and you get to an event or a big meeting or whatever whatever that opportunity is for you to to show you know your true colors if you if you have that nervous energy inside it's probably because you didn't do everything you could you could have done yeah and it was just i think that's probably what i took the most out of that comp for me is i got there and i wasn't nervous i was nervous all the way up to it until the time it was there to go and then I was like you know what I've done everything it I is can. what it is I yeah. couldn't do anything more I fucking tried my hardest well I know how hard you train so that's that's uh, that's something that you obviously could have done in every competition I know you train like an animal so I, I know that's something that you could have done every single time you've competed but obviously that's just coming with experience as well you know that, yeah. that side of things and I think that like I don't know, maybe it's like a, yeah, like a bit of experience of like re- mm. accepting that, that you have done as much. Yeah, yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Well, what else can you do? I mean, I've done everything, like you said, I've done everything I possibly can. So if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But uh, that's it's just letting go, isn't it? Letting yeah. go of emotion instead of trying to hold on to a, a, an emotion and letting it ruin the moment or whatever you're going to compete in. You just have to let it go, move on, you know, compete your best like you did. Mm. And, and like, smoke some fools. Yeah, and if I lost, I fucking lost. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And it's like, I don't know, I'm glad I didn't. But at the same and like with nationals coming up, it's the same thing. It's like like I was saying to you this morning, I was like, ah oh, fuck I I know in my heart I probably could be training more. But I mean I'm giving it like you know another big thing? Like I had a couple of a couple of um times training where like I just didn't show up with the right attitude. 
and I'd have shit sessions. Yeah. And I really got into the habit of like, you know, oh, do you guys line, you don't really line up before class, do you? Before class, no, we just, we just, no, no, no. Just shake hands at the end, eh? At the end, we line up in, in belt order and, and uh, yeah, all that sort of stuff. We shake hands or slap hands. But yeah, this, uh, well, with us, we line up belt order. Before fucking, class, yeah. yeah. before class. Uh, uh, does he, does he say... We don't be throwing us around either. Yeah, no, we get we got the horse. Thing, we yeah. got horse That's traditional Brazilian yeah. jiu-jitsu. We, um, FAB are its finest. <laughs> so, yeah, we yeah get there. Fabio, maybe say, you know, good training. He does his belt promotions before class too. Like if someone gets Oh, before, belt. yeah. Yeah, which I, I fucking think that's cool. Yeah. Because then you get to train as a the belt. Yeah, Everyone yeah, comes from like biting at his heels. Yeah, everyone does. <laughs> pretty, pretty fucking hard. Um, but yeah, so I, I got to a thing where like I noticed there was a few times in a row I'd be like, then I'd talk to people, ah, oh, fuck, I was a bit flat tonight, blah, blah, blah. But like, there were times where I'd go there with a bad attitude. And then I noticed that I was like, because I really felt it before class in that line. I'd look down, because I'd always look down like, who's here? So, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you look and you see, yeah, you know, some nights there's people, like the classes just aren't stacked. And you're like, I can, I can fucking, I can get through this one mm. relatively easy. But then there's other nights where you look down and you're just like, fuck all this shit. You this know you're going to be yeah, called though. Yeah, I'm yeah. about to get fucked up. But um, yeah, and then, so I'd notice that I'd, I'd be negative in that line and I'd look and I'd be like, yeah, fuck, this is going to be fucked, fucking. And I'd, you'd have like that negative inner talk. Yeah. And then I noticed that three or four times and I'm like, all right, I need to fucking, no matter what frame of mind I'm in, I'm here for one hour or two hours or however long the class is this the like the mats own me now like i just come in i have to let go whatever else is going on this is i'm here to do 100 percent. yeah and that, that that was a good switch that i made and i think that was part of the reason why maybe i felt prepared is because i was like all right every time you went to training from the day that you had that realization like you did do that and i don't know maybe that's like part of the reason as well yeah tougher in the mind up before you actually get into that uh get to competition it's the same thing really yeah you just have to ignore the emotion isn't that what the the best thing to do is yeah it's um i've been i've been reading that um 12 rules for life have you read that yet i haven't no i, I know the the author it's pretty jordan yeah, peterson yeah, yeah yeah it's pretty fucking good eh? yeah I, I read it when it first came out i got I actually got the audio book but he's got a weird voice like funky voice so i sort of i'd listened to it for a while and i was like fuck i just i don't know if i can he's li- canadian like, eh? yeah but it's real it's like Kermit the Frog boy. like he has like a real like it's <laughs> it real Kermit the Froggy bro I've heard him on Rogan and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, dude. so then I, I like sort of put it down and then it was funny I was again I was in like one of those sort of weird moods over the weekend and I was like you gotta and this I think it's cool is like you because shit's like extreme when you're training or whatever it's like it, it highlights more about yourself than I if you just if you just live everyday life and you're not really testing yourself yeah like if you're going to work that's comfortable you come and get the same grocery store cook the same meals can't for dinner. do it man you do but a lot of people do no I can't I can't it frightens me being comfortable frightens me I could easily go work for someone for an hourly rate and probably maybe even do better than I'm doing yeah but fuck that shit <laughs> I am about that yeah man for real I am about that but like the thing I think that the curse with that though is like when you're doing the same thing and it's like super comfortable like you sort of don't learn anything about yourself like it, you, your responses are predictable you're a patterned person you're just on autopilot and you're not gonna learn anything that will make you 
uh, leaps better. Mm. You might get incrementally better over time, but like you can get, like if you said three weeks or six weeks before the Gold Coast Marathon, I'm going to run a fucking, I'm going to run that marathon. That's a big extreme change to your life that you're going to make. That's a big shock to the system. And in six weeks, if you train and compete and complete that marathon, you're going to be a drastically different human being. 100%. Because you've taken yourself so fucking far. Pushed yourself to the absolute that. max. Yeah. yeah. And it's like to, to the thing is like David Goggins, that's not the max. You know it's what I mean? 40%. That's a, that's a fucking, that's a stroll in the park for that motherfucker. But to, to the person X that did it, that is like becoming a fucking astronaut and going to the moon. Yeah. It's that big a deal. So it's like you learn, you'll learn that much about yourself. There's that much about yourself available again. If you do something, you know, you go to like another crazy extreme, you can find just as much out again. But, you know, people, they, they, they won't go that far out of it. So I think when it, whenever you do, um, whenever you do one of those things, it's like you're going to learn more in the art of, say, training for a marathon about yourself that you can apply to everyday life then you know it's not just shit that you're going to use the next time you run a marathon you're going to use that shit every day fucking yeah life. yeah it's hardship you know? hardship is what I, it's easy to say sitting here you know but yeah hardship is what i think we all need to to grow yeah simple there's um in my opinion yeah and i think like that's what i like with um like you're doing that with jackson like getting him into stuff early and like i can see the way that you treat him is like you're sort of it's like you're aware of that. Yeah, I want him to test himself. Yeah, yeah. And he wants to test himself as well. He's only six and a half. But he, he wants to he wants to go down to the gym and he wants to... He's a good kid, man. Yeah, so it's, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. He's always looking to train and he's always looking to stay healthy and fit and he's active and, yeah. you know, he surprises me sometimes. Sometimes I think, fuck, where did I get this kid from? But yeah, he's such a good kid, man. It's crazy. I, like, because... I'm getting, I guess I'm starting to, every, like my friends that got kids, I'm like mm. really looking to be like, what the, mm. how are they living? How are they living? Yeah, what's, yeah. That, what's that shit like? It's good. It's, it, I don't think anything has changed. I can't, I can't think of life before Jackson. So I'm 32. I had my son when uh, I would have been 25 or 26. Really? Yeah. So. That's an interesting way to look at it. I can't remember my life before. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't remember. And, and. Now again, because I've done it, I had my second son Knox three months ago on the fourth of the fourth. Um, it's it's like I, I take uh, ease in knowing I've already done it. I've went okay, yeah. I've already done this. It's not that bad. It's it's just like another little person added to the added to the click. Were you nervous before Jackson? Oh yeah, shit myself. Really? Yeah, man. I didn't think. I think everyone is. I think first your first child. Anyone who has a child will know. Um, I was super nervous, yeah. I was just, I was still a kid, really, you know. Yeah. Um, I had so many other plans of traveling and doing this and doing that, and I've always liked to travel. Um, you still like make sure. You oh, get we your still trip do, there, yeah. yeah. We, we we get out as much as we can. Um, we just got our, we just almost done, almost have our Australian citizenship. We just done that test recently, yeah. so um, we we'll, we we'll start traveling again now, but uh. Yeah, it does. Honestly, people people panic and worry so much because they, they they're about to have a child and everything changes. But really, nothing changes. It's still the same thing, you know. You still you're still the same. It just brings you tighter, if anything, you know. Yeah. It just brings everything tighter and everything. 
I mean, it's 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 the best thing that can ever happen to anyone. I believe you know, you just it changes your world in relation to the way you think. Yeah. But in everyday life, money wise, financial wise, early on in life, nothing really changes there. That's what I was so afraid of was financially going. Oh no. Yeah, that's what I'm. I have about. a child coming. What am I going to do? But if you break it down and think about how much they cost to to feed and to do whatever, unless unless your your partner uh, is working, then in that situation, I was bringing in. I was bringing in a wage, Kate was bringing in a small wage, so it didn't make a difference to us. Yeah. But still, I was panicking financially. I just thought it was going to cost me so much money. And yeah, that's what I, that's like what I worry about. Yeah, it's, there's probably people out there going, oh, what the fuck are you talking about, man? It costs you. But yeah, for me, it didn't. Like, we'd done yeah. all the stupid shit. We went out and bought expensive buggies and, and, and stupid cots and changing tables and all this fucking crazy shit that we didn't need. Yeah, I'm too tight for that. Yeah, well, I should have been, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but no, um, so that was the only thing that that we knew second time around is that everything isn't as bad as as we think it's, not that we think it's going to be bad, but everything yeah. isn't, isn't, in, isn't as you imagine it, it doesn't cost you a fortune, it's not going to change your life dramatically, Yeah, it changes the way you think dramatically, that's what I found. Which is probably more conducive to making more money, which Exactly, means you're so much, you're so more driven, Yeah, but financially and like in the house internally, you just have a little, another little fucking minion running around. Yeah, yeah. You know what I did mean? Did you, what was the, um, like, did you think that you would always move out of Ireland and that you'd have kids in another country? Like, no, was that, was, no. Is that just happenstance? I left, I left Ireland when I was 14 and moved to England. Or sorry, I left Ireland when I was 16 and moved to England. And so then I sort of got the travel bug. I moved to England from the age of 16 to 17 riding racehorses. Um, so I got the travel book down. Who went with you? Myself. Just you. My dad brought me over in his in his uh, his work like youth, as we call it here, like a GP call it in Ireland. Put the scooter in the back of the. I had a scooter like a Yamaha Aerox. <laughs> Laid that bitch down in the back of the, the back of the youth, man, with a blanket on it. That was me. I had a bed. I had a bike. Went to, went over there. Sixteen years of age. Um, and stayed there for just under a year. I had two rides there. One. One I fell off, and the uh, second I came second on, second ride, yeah. Um, and but was that like professional level? Uh, no, that was an, as an amateur jockey. It's a bit so an amateur jockey is like uh, an apprentice professional, basically. Yeah. But okay. you have apprentice jockeys and you have conditional jockeys. But yeah, it's uh, uh, that was my end goal was to be a pro. You still get paid under the table and stuff as an amateur jockey. Everything is sort of cash that way, but. Um, well, it was. I'm not sure what it's like now. It's it's been a long time since I've done it, but that was a great experience. That gave me the travel bug. I left Ireland then at 21, moved to New York, uh, stayed there for f- just under four years, met my partner there, and started the box there as I spoke about earlier on. And um, met my partner the last year. That was yeah. That was as you can imagine. I'd ima- you know, New York was a great experience. Yeah, um, unbelievable. Dude, that's one of my regrets in life. So we got um, my business partner at the time moved to New York with his fiance. Yeah, and I I just I didn't have much money. Like everything was in the business. It was yeah. we had the best cameras and the best everything. Yeah, and I just didn't have money, and um, they were moving over there for another business they had, and they were like, right, we'll help you if you want to do it. And I just I just didn't want to like they'd help me get set up before, and you know we'd put money into cameras and like we worked fucking hard and we. We did so much, but like I didn't, I didn't really get to repay them for what it was, and it was. I felt like it was 
2.0 yeah of then it was like a, more money to try and get back the money that they'd already yeah sold. yeah and i was yeah. just i just i didn't feel right in myself yeah. it, it felt more like charity at that point than yeah than work and even yeah, yeah. though i know it wasn't from them i mm. just i don't know it was a bit of like inner sort of i had a bit of an inner struggle with that yeah but like looking back and knowing how genuine their intentions were and i ended up staying it was with an ex-girlfriend we had a house in huntington beach and i wanted to surf and you know i i gave that up for that and looking back at it now because i fucking love new york city dude yeah. like it's a crazy place unbelievable city mate one of uh one of the best decisions you ever made was going there when i did I learned a lot of valuable life lessons in New York. It's a hustle. New York is a hustle, man. There's no one standing still. Everyone's out hustling. If it's raining, there's someone outside the subway selling umbrellas. Yeah. If it's 40 degrees outside, there's someone selling ice cold bottles of water. It's a fucking hustle, mate. It really, really brings you alive. That's what made me want to do something with myself. I was probably a little bit overweight and... and uh, it's an inspiring yeah, place man. when your feet yeah. hit the ground. Like drives you, a, drives you, man. Yeah, drives you, drives a, you. There's a, there's a few places in the world that I've been to yeah. that have that same level of like, fuck, yeah. let's go. Yeah. And that's why I wish I lived there. New York is one of them. Because yeah. I didn't, I, I've only experienced that in spurts. Yeah. And I should have experienced that. They lived there for a year. Yeah. And, 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 and being an Irish immigrant there obviously gave me an extra drive to see the amount of Irish people that have done well over there, the amount of Irish... Um, landowners, property owners, uh, bar owners, um, all these people that had went over at the same age as me and and built up their, their uh, you know, built up their legacy or whatever you want to call it over yeah. there and had made something of themselves, really, really drove me as well. I think life as an immigrant, uh, I think we're lucky. I always hear Gary V speak about it. It's just it gives you that extra drive to want to do well wherever you go you're going okay I'm I'm sacrificing living with my parents or living yeah. beside my parents I'm sacrificing living beside people I grew up with all my life so this shit's going to work I'm going to make it work so yeah. it gives you that extra drive and push um, to do well so I think I'm lucky in that sense there's something about Ireland too it yeah. seems that if you grow up hardship, in man. Ireland it's just, why it, is it such a hard like a place filled with hardship well, well we went through 800 years of brutal domination by the English you know we just got yeah poverty um, people taking land um, we had a terrible time we were oppressed we were uh, yeah hard hard times and they make tough people so when them people got out of that environment and went over to America in the early 20th century they they, they made sure that shit worked they yeah. made sure that they were sending back to their family they were helping out everyone they possibly could Um that's why there's so many of us all over the world. You know, there's, I think, I don't know how many. I'd be there's just guessing. more Irish people outside of Ireland. In, oh, in, yeah. In, there's isn't only, there more? There's in, only like six million in Ireland or something. And I think that could be, yeah, that's including the whole of Ireland. Yeah. Six, uh, don't quote me on that, but I think uh, the last time I looked, Southern Ireland was four and a half. But I, I count Ireland as a whole. There's no dividing border for me. Ireland is Ireland is one. Um, I think there's six million in total in, in the whole of Ireland. So... Um, such a small place, mate. But any everywhere you go in yeah. the world, there's an Irish bar. Someone was telling me they were in Azerbaijan recently, and there was a fucking Irish bar right in the middle of that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Azerbaijan, mate. How's the fucking Irish bar that we went to in <laughs> Thailand? <laughs> oh man, crazy motherfucker! Huh? He was a crazy, he, he was, was a yeah. legit crazy He's motherfucker. A, he, was a, he was a G man. He yeah. was a don. Yeah, he was, he was sitting was... in this fucking bar in Thailand. Yeah, we had one of the boys 
uh, tell us we had to go there and hang out with this dude. And uh, we get there. There's no one in the fucking bar. There's a Thai bird behind the bar. And then this fucking old Irish Hugh Hefner looking Yeah, from, from Cork, from Cork, man. Just, uh, well, we won't say his name, but yeah, from Cork. But he was a... Uh, He's a gangster smoking on a fucking baseball bat. Yeah, he had a, these baseball bat fucking joints. joints. And we just were sitting there chain smoking <laughs> with his fucking Irish cunt. And by the time by the time <laughs> we, we were there, 20 minutes, him and Andrew were talking to... I just couldn't hear anything. No, no, yeah, just yeah. Fucking. And then it turns out your man fucking lived in Cairns and knows like a bunch of people that I knew. I fucking forgot remember that, that? Yeah, yeah, I do remember it now, yeah. Crazy. He had fucking photos with people I knew on the wall because he starts talking about cans and I feel like everyone talks about cans as like everyone's got a story and they know this person know that person and it is pretty small to where like you sort of do know most people yeah yeah and um then yeah fuck true to his word I was like you're kidding me John it was actually a f- blues bar and it, it, it was a, a fish on the wall I believe that yeah. now I think back and it wasn't it Jay that's what you're seeing and you went oh fuck I know that dude yeah 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 fucking crazy yeah. crazy crazy stuff but yeah you are right there's an Irish bar in every, every yeah room. my uncle owned one in Kuala Lumpur that's I recently went to stopped in Kuala Lumpur on the way home from Thailand uh, I've been there five or six times my uncle Danny who was a racehorse trainer but he uh, he's recently moved back to Ireland again he's been all over the world training racehorses um, so yeah it's just such a strong culture of drink in Ireland you know um, and, and having a good time and telling stories and it's part of our culture it's part mm. of our culture that's where we used to congregate we'd go to the pub we had little snugs where the women used to sit and then the men or the women would go into the lounge and crazy 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 uh, um, culture in pubs and bars in Ireland it's something that we, we we love to do have a few beers sing a few songs have the crack as we say and um Sometimes it gets taken a little bit too far, but sure, you know. <laughs> but no, it's 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 really part of our culture. It's mad. Like I said, there's one in the middle of Azerbaijan. Who the fuck would think there's a a, a bar even in Azerbaijan? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it seems to like Irish culture just never really got watered down, did it? No, no, not really. I think it's a little bit more multicultural now, um, in Ireland. Uh, but I I think that like you, I see you and like Dennis and you know you people that you're sort of close with and yeah. you've got like that connection to back home and I I feel like when I'm around other Aussies like if I'm on a camp and there's an Irish guy and you're there you two are fucking bonded as Ireland yeah you yeah you know what I mean yeah whereas yeah, yeah. I feel like when I go to that camp there's a bunch of Aussies there but I'm not no I'm not I bonding with them as Aussies yeah. if that makes sense no. I'm bonding with them over just yeah. pure purely selfish interest yes if that makes sense I agree one million percent mate. I don't yeah. have a thought of honestly know, it's all just se- I'm looking yeah. at things I'm taking them selfishly I like that guy because of this especially if they've travelled especially I think if someone has been away from Ireland for a, a, a period of time um, I think that uh, if you meet them like uh, for instance this time on the camp me, Lar was there who I trained with in the gym but like it was the same thing we sort of we paired up. We were always, you know, having a few beers, having a few J's after training or whatever, chilling in the pool. There is, you're right, there's a connection between Irish people. I think it's like we have a bond, especially if we've if we've went off travelling somewhere and uh, it's it's a I'm couldn't be prouder to be from where I'm from, you know. I really love Ireland. It's a it's a great place. It's crazy the way that Conor McGregor's like just bought Ireland like yeah. an entire country come back into the spotlight like do you feel that yeah 100% crazy Isn't that fucking crazy it's that insane a bring a whole country yeah a whole country forward yeah it really is man and I think 
again, it's only hearsay. I don't live in Ireland, but like I think that he's he's maybe uh, underappreciated uh, back home. Like you, so you think he's done like because people are at home, not out in the world, seeing what he's done and like seeing how impact. big of a star, yeah. Because you'd get people. I mean, I've been with people and people are like you know Conor McGregor. Yeah, you, you know you like Conor McGregor. Yeah, all the time. Crazy. All yeah. the time. Everywhere I go, I hear it. You know. Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor. Everyone loves him everywhere yeah. in the world. Um, he's a legend, man. What he's done for not only Ireland, but what he's done for the sport uh, in general. He, made, uh, he had a massive part. That four billion, a good chunk of that should be in his pocket. Yeah. He 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 elevated that sport beyond. And it's the same thing. He's just a megastar. Yeah. As you said, everywhere you go. People know who he is, and dude, like I'm I, walking on Kuala Lumpur, and there's these little Kuala Lumpur dudes saying it to me. I always get told I look like him. I'm walking on the bars, the ginger beard. I'm walking down the road. These little guys are stopping me and asking me, "Do I know Conor McGregor?" You're going, "How do you? You know, just insane, yeah. absolutely insane." How, how many? How how well he's known worldwide. It's it's uh, that's that's probably the reason why I think he is underappreciated a little bit in Ireland. Yeah, because it, the like the people that are in the country, not a lot has changed in the country, mm. but it's the impact that he's had on the rest of the, the world. world stage man. and when you're out there as an irish man in australia or mm. kuala lumpur or whatever you're like fuck this cunt goes everywhere yeah he touches everything everything everyone knows him he's he like, was the a-side on that mayweather fight yeah big time you know he, yeah i felt like floyd mayweather was getting to fight connor in a way yeah yeah it felt like his show yeah it didn't feel like floyd's show no for a boxing fan for me it did uh i have to say but i do know what well, you're maybe saying maybe it's just because i'm coming yeah. from that world no i know exactly yeah and and yeah 100 percent. but I, I i floyd was uh always someone that i admired he's one of the best defensive boxers that ever lived in my opinion he's unbelievably Unbelievably good, talented. Oh man, just and that's such why a good I think set it of was skills. So good when Connor hit him. Yeah, with the uppercut in the second turn around. It was like fuck. I know what hits fuck. this dude. Yeah, and then he jumped through the roof. I was watching it in Sydney, man. <laughs> Fucking hell, it was insane. It was like a split room. Yeah, it was like a load of Arab guys on one side, and then like a load of Irish guys on the other side. And every time McGregor land the punch, start getting a little bit heavy. I was like, oh, fuck. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, oh shit. <laughs> maybe. Oh, but I was thought it was going to kick off in the pub. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to kick off in the pub because they were shouting when, when Mayweather scored, uh, scored a shot, and uh, when he caught him with a shot, and then we were shouting obviously when McGregor hit him with a shot. But um, did a part of you want McGregor to win? Even though oh, you're every from last yeah. every last part of me wanted McGregor to win. Yeah, I wanted McGregor to win, but I, I knew it was a yeah, massive task. Yeah. He's the greatest ever lived. But when he landed that uppercut, I'm not going to lie, I was thinking, whoa, this this could actually work out here. He could, he could catch him with something strange. But he just broke him down and then started backing him up and inexperience on, on McGregor's side. But um, Isn't it funny how a superstar like him just exists? It's mad. Like, before he was in the UFC, he was always that fucking dude, like... And then you watch like you, you saw the like the Netflix documentary they did on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And you watch that, and then you go back, and it's like the you, you just don't ever see people that are like megastars that when you go back and you watch the, their life before they were who they are, you're like that cunt's boring. He's just normal. Yeah, he's just a normal person. But like, but you don't like you can still see like that's fucking Conor McGregor. Yeah, like you can see it in him. Before he wasn't that person, yeah, you know, in terms of like the notoriety, but he's always been that fucking dude that got him to where he is. Like, I don't know, you, you, he's always had that. He's, he's always, always had, had that yeah, thing. Star power, 
or star appeal or whatever you want to call yeah. it. But no, I, I agree. He has that confidence about him or something. You're going, whoa, this dude is someone. Even when he wasn't someone. Yeah, he was he, someone. You were thinking he is someone. You know, he always had that charisma, yeah. I suppose, is the best word to use. And that, but like you never watch like a, a ESPN docu... Like Jorge Masvidal. Like we were watching just that. Just watching him right yeah, now. Yeah, we're just watching he's that. He's the same. Per, per, you're like, mm. that. he has big dick energy. Yeah. <laughs> like he's fucking... He's out there slinging that shit. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. You BDE. Know, he's got that fucking big dick energy. And yeah. he wasn't... They were tripping on buying shit from Whole Foods because they... It was too expensive. Yeah, twenty dollars like, a steak. Yeah, and like now he's look at the guy. But yeah, you look back. You're like you were always that motherfucker. Yeah, it's just uh, funny that the, the, if you watch the interview, the first interview with McGregor, the, we were I don't know who was talking to about it the weekend. You know, where he's like a spotty face, sixteen or seventeen year old, sort of saying, "I'm going to be the best in the world. I'm going to have more money than I know what to do with." It was actually a friend of mine that done the recording for that Dean Kelly. Really? Yeah, yeah. He was similar to yourself, big into into sort of photography and video work and he does a lot of stuff for uh, skateboarders he's actually done a lot of stuff to raise funding for a skateboard park in the middle of the town I'm from in Newbridge yeah. in County Kildare he, I think he had a heavy role to play in that but um, he used to be always taking pictures of the boys and doing videos and stuff but just by chance he he, he done that I hope he made some money out of that you know I really do I hope he made some, some nice cash because he deserves it's iconic, it eh? yeah yeah man how crazy is that what's that one o'clock so what time do you fly out? Uh, three. Three, yeah. So be there. So we could leave here by one thirty next yeah. week. Yeah, okay. So oh, good. Good. Good good. Half an hour left. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Good stuff. So like it's, it, and how, imagine asking, I'd love to actually ask him, I haven't spoke to him in years, but saying to him like, you know, how, I went on holidays years ago when we were younger to Crete with him, but how much, um, how crazy that is to have that bit of footage of McGregor asking them the questions that he asked them I'd love to see the unedited version of that because yeah. it's probably an hour long or a half an hour long but um, I've got all this footage in the US that um, I'm trying to get uh, back over here at the moment I just couldn't bring all that stuff back with yeah. me like they're so fucking heavy and um, I've got all these interviews with like yeah guys now that are just killing it and it was so like you know I've got these amazing interviews with them and I'd never put my voice in anything. Like, that's why this is such a trip because yeah. I've always been doing this format of like talking to people and I always loved the interviews that I would do yeah. for the videos that I'd have to make for Red Bull or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you'd always take your voice out of it. It wasn't a podcast, it was an edit. And uh, yeah, I've like been wanting to post some of those lately because it's just fucking cool to yes, like go yeah. back and go back hear, in it's time like it's and the see. same it's the same style yeah. like I, I used to talk to people the same way it's crazy i love i love watching them things like even like that masvidal oh, and kobe commington awesome. thing we we're looking at like that's five years ago you know to see it's almost satisfying to see how hard they were grinding yeah how, it's all the same how eh? long it took them to get and it's only starting to click for them now and that's yeah. five years ago and they're yeah. probably grinding five years before that man yeah you know what i mean so they've been doing that shit 10 years like pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and, and eventually it. it has to work it has to work and like the last three let's say three years for those two and then but all the time with that you're like because i think that shit in business with like the podcast and stuff i'm like this is the month where it's going to get easier financially mm. this is the month where you know i'm going to get a couple extra sponsors i'm going to be fucking cruising i'm going to be on easy street and the next month comes and it's a fucking grind again yeah, and you've yeah. got 86 dollars in your bank account yeah. and then you're fucking going oh well if this comes out tomorrow i got no money and then you just go but you know what next month next month is going to be the month yeah, just got to keep pushing turns around. again it's like showing up like we were just saying. have to show up it has to click man it has to click yeah it has to click you know no matter what what as long as you keep showing up 
it has to work. And you felt like that. Like there's been times I've talked to you over the last couple of months where I'd call you and you're like, oh, I'm fucking taking interviews with people. Yeah, same thing. Being self-employed, it's tough. It's a tough, tough gig. You know, anyone who's in the construction industry knows it's, it's, a, it's a system. It's a broken system. It really is. Really and truly a broken system. It's sad because you see these guys with families, one me being one of them, putting in this work making sure things are done right making sure they're done on time they have ridiculous time frames on jobs getting done it's just it's a really really and truly broken system and the the guy with the least amount of money I could talk about it for three years man honestly the guy with the but the, the, to shorten it up the guy with the least amount of money is the guy who ends up getting stung in the end yeah and that's just a sad fact of the construction industry if you aren't a, a multi-million dollar or multi-billion dollar developer um, and you're just a tradie with you know Mrs. Kids, whatever you may do, single fella, you know, a few dogs, whatever your go is, you still have to put up the same shit. You're just the bottom of the fucking ladder and you're the one who's going to pay in the long run. Things yeah. go south, the builder loses, he's not losing, he's just taking that out of your cut. Yeah. So that's the way it is. It's it's a, it's a sad, sad um, state of affairs. Something has to change, it really does. And I believe, I believe it will. Eventually, Queensland, I think, are one of the, are one of the leaders in the in the pack in relation to trying to like you have to be licensed here I was I was set up here for two years I just couldn't get busy enough it was a, as you know that's why I had to move to Melbourne it was just too too hard to sort of break into here yeah wasn't busy enough but they ha I had to get a license here I had to get a carpentry license I had to pass a test I had to and now they've brought in a new law in Queensland where the uh, I didn't do too much looking into it but just in, in, in the brief look over they had that you now have to uh, provide financial evidence of how your company's doing. If you're breaking even, if you're making mm. a profit, and if you aren't making enough money, you can't you can't trade. Really? So yeah, this uh, it, and that's builders. You know, builders are really the enemy. In in it's sad because there's some really good builders out there, but there's some really evil ones as well. That their margins are one percent. I know there'll be lots of people, or if there is lots of people listening to this, there'll be lots of people in the same situation that would agree with me who work in the construction industry. Oh, there's a ton of tradies that listen to this. It's a fucking broken system, mate. It's yeah. a broken system. It really is. And something has to be done. Something has to be done badly. What could you do, do you think? Regulate it. Get someone in to be, uh, instead, instead of... Inst so you think that there's so many builders that are like, kind of fucking the market price-wise. But they're just going in at 1%. Yeah. They're going at 1% profit. How can you make money? And they're, they're relying on like not paying people essentially exactly to like right. make money. Exactly right. Exactly 100% correct. That's exactly what's happening. They're relying on ripping people off. That's what they're going to do. And they're just staying ahead of like the payment. Like they yep. get a payment, they keep that money, yep. they pay their shit and they don't pay other people. Rip, and then rip off the subby. Yeah. Off the subby and see how much of a fuss he kicks up. If he yep. kicks up a big fuss, we'll give him something. If he doesn't, they'll draw it out. They just draw it out as long as they can. And the guy at the bottom of the food chain, with the least amount of money, will dip out. Will just run out of cash. Yeah. You can you can only cash flow. You can only you can only keep wages coming out of your account. You can only keep direct debits for vans for t whatever you may have, whatever bills you may have, offices. They're coming out every week, regardless whether you get paid or not. Same as life, you know. It's 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 nothing new, but it's just it's just a broken system. If I'll put it to you this way, you can do everything correctly, work as hard as you possibly can, meet every deadline, meet every deadline, and still lose in the construction game. It's strange, you know. It's a really really strange. It's a really really strange industry. You have to pick your battles, and you have to know who you're dealing with. And that's something I've have I've had to learn over time. Yeah, that you know. I'm not pricing random jobs for random dudes. I'm on recommendation only. If you get recommended to me, I'll go and do work for you. If you don't, 
we aren't doing business. And that's the simple fact. That's the way I've broke it down myself. It seems to be working well so far. So that's that's the way I try to do. I just try to stick to guys I know. And instead of taking chances when things are quiet, I just sit tight. Sit tight and then wait for the guy yeah. that I trust, the guy that I like, to give me another bit of work. And then I'll go do work for them. Rather than taking chances and and, and, uh, and dealing with idiots that... You know that's that's their game. That's how they make money. They they just rob the small man. It's a sad, sad state of affairs. The thing that is crazy though is like we'll fucking keep coming. You'll keep coming back. You have to. You're in too deep. It's just, it's it's. You have to. You have to keep. You're you're at the full mercy of a builder. That's mm. that's the way it is. If you're a subcontractor like myself, um, but there's got to be something about like I just feel like you're the kind of guy that's always going to work for yourself. Mm. Like no matter how yeah. fucked it is. This, there's something it, about yeah. this, you know, the stress is worth it to not have to go be some fucking. Like we spoke about, I think the struggle builds character. I think there has to be, there has to but be it's like funny at the end of the that there's so much. Once you realize that, there becomes so much value on character, mm. and it's like you, it's like you're working for currency, money wise, but you're also working for currency, uh, like uh, character. You know, life currency, same, yeah. You're life currency, on life. it can't be bought. It can't it's, be bought. It but like, it's bought. crazy that you you get to a point where you find out that that is necessary. Like yeah, one hundred percent. That life currency. Yeah, as long as I can get. I know I'm learning here all the time. Like, if I speak to someone who's thirty two years of age, um, you know, that came up similar to I came up, um, we're we're thinking and works for someone. Let's just say, and I have nothing against. You know, I'm not saying anything bad about anyone who works for someone, or I'm not putting them down. Do your thing. Whatever makes you happy. Everyone's different everyone's an individual um, but I just can't do it I couldn't do it I, I'm, I'm happier grinding and trying to make things work and, and, I, and I know it's character building eventually this will click it's like someone who's working for someone yeah. as I said that's the same age as me if we, I, I can tell them how what way the you know what way the court system works now because I've had to bring someone to court or I, I've had I've been you know all these different all these different situations and scenarios that I've been in being a business owner will stand to me yeah. and have stood to me you know, it's character building. I believe that, yeah, in my opinion, that's what it is. It's character building. And I think uh, uh, maybe that's just me trying to convince myself yeah. or it's ego. I don't know. Who knows? But but, no, but you're right. Like, because I, I agree with you. I think the same thing. I just think like I've, I've it's been financially fucking rough yeah. since we moved to Burley because I've had to build this studio. I've had to build yeah. another studio. Ricky didn't have work when we first moved here. Yeah. So like it's, it's a fucking, it's a, it's slog, a grind, bro. It's a grind. And, but it's just, I don't know. Like I, I just wonder, like I think about the whole life currency thing and I know it's like, you know, you put it a good way by saying life currency. I always yeah. would think that there's for the 1500 bucks I get paid from this person, I get 1500 bucks in something else. Like mm. It always seems like I'm getting double the actual money. And I, for the, some reason, that feels worth it to me, but I don't know what I'm ever going to spend that extra money on. Life, I believe. That's what you're going to spend it on, life. That is that is your currency in life, is knowledge, you know? Mm. And that's what you're stacking all the time is knowledge. And the thing about it is you don't lose it. Yeah. Money you goes. Bit, you money don't know when you're going to spend it either. No, you don't, but you know, it's it's just such a good thing to have. I would rather have that, mate, than a, than a, than a false... A false uh, uh, bank account you know yeah. full of whatever don't get me wrong I love money and, and uh, but it's not to be all and end all yeah like I could I could go and get a job for someone go work in the tunnels and make two and a half three grand a week but I'd rather go out and try and make that myself you know I want to build my own thing I want to build my own empire I want to build my own I want to be me I don't want I don't want to be someone's little you know gopher or whatever I want to do it myself yeah and that's not for everyone and I've no problem with that 
but for me it is that's the way I want to do it and I don't, I don't fancy doing and oh, and there's times like I even said last week I was talking to mum I was like fuck I just might need to get a job mm. and then and then it's like you weigh it up and you're like alright well if I get a job like I spent 12 hours editing the podcast today so if I get a job everything that went up online today wouldn't go up yeah and then when would I do that again and I was like well if I did jujitsu then that's two hours gone of that and then I'd have three hours at home before I went to bed to try and do 12 hours of editing work mm. so it's like it becomes very clear it's like you can you either do this or you do that and it's like if you want to do this which is do the keep doing the podcast fucking figure it out yeah you know and you get to that much of a crossroads because you you do get to a point where you can't do both you know you couldn't go work for someone keep your construction business nah. going on the side while you wait for things to get better like you're all in or you're all out yeah yeah you it's have fucking, to be on and it's, right high, on. it's crazy yeah you can't half do it no you can't be half in half out with this I think uh, you know it's only a matter of time I think before everything everything starts clicking you know your name is getting out there and you're doing the right things again it just has to work yeah. as long as you keep doing it it's going to work no matter what way you think about it or what way you, it's going to work it's weird though like to sit and talk about it as like the money though because like really i just want the money so i can keep doing this mm. if that makes sense yeah yeah there's not like i haven't really thought about it much past it it's more like i just want the money so i can keep doing it and i don't have to stop doing this but when like i sit here and i talk with you i don't think like i'm going down to get andrew on the podcast to make money i'm like just doing it so that we go down and yeah, it's like something we'll have forever, you know. Yeah. The conversation that we had in your house in Burley in ten years' time, you'd be living in the mansion somewhere. Yeah. Remember that time we were in the <laughs> garage when we only had like eight mats to put together? Yeah, you know, I've got true. my own gym, you know what I mean? Joey fucking G ripped that. <laughs> <laughs> took that fucking. Took Big that Joey leg. G grabbed a hole in my leg and nearly <laughs> tore my fucking ankle out. Took took home the missus at Christmas ham. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, uh, it's it's like yeah, it's a fucking. It's a point in time. It's good. The same as a picture, same as a video. Mm. I think people, uh, some people don't take. Well, some people take too many pictures. <laughs> I think it's I think it's nice to have a picture of a specific time. Yeah. Or even videos are good as well, like of a role, or of a time. That's why I think some some of the social media is good in that regard. Yeah, it's the same as everything. You can have too much of it, though. You know, yeah. same as same as alcohol same as weed same as drugs same as whatever it's it's you can you can have too much of it i think it has to be monitored and you have to monitor it yourself yeah but um but yeah i'm thinking oh fuck i wish i could buddy just get you another flight so you could stay later but you probably can't oh, yeah could keep this combo going we will keep this combo going we'll, we'll fucking we'll stop this bad boy up now this was a little special edition of the podcast with my mate andrew um the homie the homie uh yeah so definitely if you're a full fucking moto frother and you don't want to know about jiu-jitsu then probably not the podcast but no i feel like we did like 50 like jiu-jitsu and then life yeah yeah so and i could definitely keep keep doing it so we'll get you on next time you yeah, come up man, hopefully man. oh you might be up for that eternal fight soon eh? yeah it could be up uh next oh the end of the month i think yeah for Rob, Rob Pelle uh, oh, I'm actually probably going to be racing motocross that weekend okay. 20, ah. 26-27 I believe yeah yeah, that's what it is I think Rob Pelle if, if a guy I hold the pads for uh, trains in my gym he um, he has a fight coming up good kid um, shows up all the time hard yeah. trains hard really 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 nice fella 
the Italian stallion, Rob Pele. <laughs> and the Irish gorilla. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I try, half use this as encouragement for Andrew to do his own podcast too. Very, very knowledgeable in uh, in the fight game and boxing, yeah, MMA. So, we're, um, yeah, maybe maybe we'll get him doing that, mm. doing that shit and he can become a podcast superstar himself. <laughs> um, thanks for doing it, bro. My man.